really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. fill that in or you can uh, go online and fill out the online connect card we really encourage you to connect with us um, to get involved with some of the um, notifications on our outreaches and everything so um, if you go onto our website and you can fill in the connect card next slide please um, our summer events, we've got, there should be a little pamphlet floating around somewhere. Um, but we have summer events, um, I think, uh, during the week, every Wednesday, there's a bit of a social that happens here and some bits um, and crafts for the kids as well. So if you are around, we do thank those that have um, helped out and well been here and also those that have contributed to the summer events. Um, so if you are free, please, we do encourage you to spread the news, to spread the word and to come and join us as well. Next slide. Thank you. On the 26th of August, we are going to go with a coach um, to the God Loves You Tour. Um, I'm not sure if there's spaces left, but you can always try. If you want to scan that code um, and book your spot, and there's a coach that's leaving from Crawley. Next slide. Giving. Um, so every week we talk about giving, um, and giving to the ministry is part of worship, um, which is why we mention it every week. It is not to badger you for money, but it is our duty as a church and our duty as leadership to teach you biblical principles, and giving is one of them. In practical ways, giving is what allows us to contribute to other nations. It helps us with outreaches and the resources that we provide. So thank you to all those that give. If this is your place of fellowship, we do encourage you um, to give and to support the ministry. If you are a taxpayer and have not signed the gift aid form, please do see my husband Keegan, who has the Liverpool t-shirt on, or Liz, and they'll be able to get you one. Gift aid allows us to claim 25% of what you give, so you're not addition, like giving additional. Um, practical ways of giving. There's bank transfers. Um, you can scan the QR code if you like scanning. It never works on my phone. But um, bank transfers or go on the website for more information. I think that's it. Cool. Not too bad. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much that there is nothing that's too difficult for you. There's no place that you can't go. And we really do pray that you will speak to us this morning, that as we just explore your word, as we think about Moses, that we realize that the love that you gave Moses, the presence that you gave Moses, the power that you gave Moses is also ours today. And so we pray that you will just bless us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a teacher, children would often say lots of different things to me. For example... How do you always know what I was going to say? You must have eyes in the back of your head. You can see and hear through walls. And you are everywhere all at once. And as a child, it does sometimes seem that adults are like that, particularly if you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. But the truth is, we're not. Human beings can only be 
in one place at a time. And if we're honest, sometimes, even when we're physically present in one place, we might not mentally be present. For example, the amount of times I see parents with their children around them, they're pretending they're listening to the children, but actually they're on their phone. How many times do we have a conversation with somebody and we're pretending we're listening? It probably is your husband or your wife. And you're pretending you're listening, but actually you're thinking about the football score. Or you're thinking about your shopping list. Or you're thinking about what you're going to have for dinner that night. Or, if we're able to be brutally honest, maybe you're actually listening to the conversation that's going on over there that seems more exciting than what's going on over here. So sometimes we can be physically present, but actually not mentally present. The total reverse is true for God. His divinity means that he's able to be fully present everywhere because he is the omnipresent God. And that's what we're thinking about today. Omnipresent, always present in all places at all times. I don't know about you, but as we've been doing these God is, the God is series, some of what's been taught blows my mind. And some of what's been taught, I have to admit, I sometimes struggle to understand. And as I was preparing for this morning, I realized that's because I make God too small. I actually try and understand God from my human understanding. And actually, God is so much bigger than that. God is so vast that we can't physically understand it. And when we try to view and picture and explain God through our worldly understanding, we try and contain him. We try and make him too small. And I think Solomon summed that up. Because Solomon decided he wanted to build a temple. And he wanted to have a temple that he could have God in. He wanted a temple for God. Even though he built the most amazing temple and it was beautiful, he said, behold, heavens and the highest heaven cannot contain you. There is nothing that can contain God. He cannot be put in a building. He cannot be put in a religion. He cannot be put in rules and regulations because he is so much bigger than all that. And I think that is really amazing to get our heads around. And when I was planning for this morning, I was thinking, I struggle to understand this. How can I try and explain it? And I was thinking about the story of Moses. Now, Moses was a man who travelled a lot, and yet God was with him every step of the way. And so I thought we would look at the story of Moses this morning and try and get our heads around how God's presence is with us all the time in every place. God's omnipresence. Now, Moses had an amazing intimate relationship with God. He really knew God well, probably more than any other person in the Bible apart from Jesus. His relationship with God was intimate. And it tells us in Deuteronomy 34 verse 10, there has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Just listen to that sentence, whom the Lord knew face to face. Isn't that amazing? And what's even more amazing is that's how God knows us, face to face. That just, it gives me goosebumps to read that sentence. And so what we're going to do is we're going to watch a little bit of a video to remind ourselves 
about some of the story of Moses. Now, it doesn't tell the whole story because Moses did quite a lot. And so we couldn't get a video, unless you wanted to be here way through your Sunday lunch, we couldn't get a video to tell the story, the whole story. But let's just remind ourselves of some of the key bits of the story of Moses. God's story, Moses. So part of God's story is about a guy named Moses, and it begins like this. When Moses was born, God's special family, the Israelites, were living in Egypt as slaves. But there were so many Israelites that Pharaoh, Egypt's ruler, was afraid they might attack him. So he ordered that they work extra hard and made a law that all new baby boys had to be killed. Well, baby Moses' mom didn't want him to die, so she came up with a plan. She put him in a waterproof basket and hid it in the Nile River. Before long, Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, showed up. She found the basket and realized Moses was one of the babies her dad was trying to kill. But instead of hurting Moses, she adopted him. He grew up in the palace like a prince. Now Moses should have felt really special and loved, but he felt bad that his people were slaves while he lived in the palace. So he ran away and tried to help them. Problem is, they didn't want a prince around. Moses didn't feel like he belonged anywhere, so he ran away again. This time, he went to a place called Midian. There, he married a lady named Zipporah and worked for her dad, Jethro. One day, he was taking care of Jethro's sheep when he saw a bush on fire. As Moses looked more closely, the inside of the bush called out, Moses, Moses. Kids, would you answer a burning bush that yells your name? Well, Moses did. He said, here I am. Then the bush introduced itself. It was God appearing as fire. And God told Moses that he could see how his family was suffering as slaves. Since God loves his family, he wanted to rescue them through Moses. Now you'd think Moses would be excited since he had wanted to help his people, but he wasn't. He didn't think he was special enough to get a job from God. He said, why me? God reminded him, I'll be with you. He even told Moses exactly what to say to the Egyptians. But Moses didn't think anyone would believe that God had appeared to a regular guy like him, a guy who didn't even belong anywhere. So God gave Moses three miracles to prove that God was with him. First, God let Moses turn his staff into a snake and back. Next, Moses put his hand in his cloak. It came out with leprosy. Then he did it again to cure it. Finally, God showed Moses how to turn water into blood. But even after God showed him all this, Moses was still afraid that nobody would listen to him. I don't talk well, he said. I stutter and stammer. Then God asked Moses, who makes a man able to talk? God is the one who makes us. And he wanted Moses to remember that and trust him. But Moses begged, please send anybody else. Fortunately, God loves us even when we're afraid to trust him and we don't realize how special we are to him. He let Moses bring his brother Aaron along to do the talking. After that, Moses finally realized he belonged in God's family. He didn't have to run away anymore, so he obeyed God and followed him. He took his wife and sons to Egypt to tell the Israelites that God was going to rescue them. The Israelites believed that God was with Moses, and they were so excited to be rescued that they worshipped God right away. And that's the story of Moses. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. God's family lived in Egypt. They were slaves. Pharaoh said baby boys must die. Moses' mom had a plan. Moses was adopted. He ran away. Moses returned to his people. He ran away. God appeared as fire. 
Moses argued with God. Finally, Moses obeyed. He knew he belonged in God's family. And that's a part of God's story. An amazing story that shows God's omnipresence. Now we're going to do things slightly different this morning. You know me, I do like to do things slightly different. Um, And so the children are staying in with us like they normally do, but our resident Pied Piper, Dilly, is going to be at the back. And on the back tables, we're going to open the back doors, if you don't mind doing that, Ian, is that all right? We've got a mural, and that mural is showing the story of Moses. Children, there's not many of you, so you're going to have to work really hard this morning. We've got all sorts of sickness bugs and horrible things going around, so we're quite short of children this morning. So those of you that are here, you're going to have to work really hard to paint, to colour, to stick and show us the story of Moses and how God was with him every step of the way. So thank you, Dilly, for sort of offering to do this and for taking the children just at the back. Children, you need to be listening as well because you need to listen and learn about Moses as well. So brilliant, children. And anyone else that finds it easier to listen while you're colouring, if you want to go at the back as well, Dilly's going to be doing our mural. Those of you that know me well will know that one of my favourite films is called The Shack. A lot of controversy over The Shack, but I think it beautifully illustrates, it's a fictional story, but it beautifully illustrates God's love, God's forgiveness, God's redemption, and also how we should forgive and love each other. And there's a part of the film that I think is really powerful. Because God speaks to the main character and he used the words, for what we are going to do today, this is who you need. I think that's amazing. Don't get me wrong, God is unchanging. We know that, it tells us in the Bible. He's the same today, yesterday and forever. He doesn't change. But I do believe that God's presence can be with different people in different places in different ways because God knows what we need. And in the film on the shack, he knew the presence of God that was needed that day. And I think that's what God's omnipresence is. Different places, different times, different people. We all need God in different ways at different times. Bear with me, I know this sounds really complicated. But I think as we journey with Moses, we're going to see that. Because Moses' journey... He was really aware right from the beginning of God's presence. And he was really aware of God's protective presence. Now, I've done a little map because I like maps, but I, I think this really shows how God's omnipresence is there everywhere. Because throughout the whole of Moses's journey, God was with him. And right from the beginning, God's protective presence was there. As we know, Pharaoh had given a really awful order an order that all the firstborn all the male babies of the Hebrews were killed can you imagine that can you imagine living through a time like that and so any Hebrew lady that had a baby boy the order was that the baby was killed now most of us have probably heard the story of Moses in the basket since we were little lots of Sunday school songs about it we've been taught about it But there's one part of the story that I think is really overlooked because God's protective presence was there. He didn't only protect Moses in his little ark. 
He protected Moses before that because the midwives had been ordered by Pharaoh to kill every baby boy. And we read in Exodus 1.15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt told them to do. They let the boys live. So God's protective presence was on Moses even during childbirth. Isn't that amazing? He was with him even as he was being born. And through the midwives, he protected his life. But as we know, as Moses grew up, his mum started to think, because babies do make quite a lot of noise. And his mum needed to find a way to protect him. So she took matters into her own hands and she made the ark. And so she was determined that her son was going to survive. She was determined, and so was God. God's protective presence was over Moses. God's protective presence was over Moses this side of the river as his mum put him into the ark, as his mum and his sister watched as he went down the river. But God's protective presence was also this side of the river because this side of the river, Pharaoh's daughter was. And God was already preparing her so that when she saw that baby boy, she wasn't going to kill him, which is what the order was. Instead, she took in, him in and cared for him. Instead, she made sure that he survived. God's protective presence, God's protective presence. And also in between, because I'm sure there were some nasty beasties in the river and God protected Moses from them. So God's protective presence was with Moses all the time. And I really love this little heartwarming part of the story. Don't you find that? That God occasionally just gives you a tiny little touch of kindness. And it might seem so small, but to you, boy, does it lift you. I just, I'd love that. I've had so many examples this week of when I haven't felt good enough. And God just does a little touch of kindness that says, you're my beloved daughter. I just love those little touches. And this little touch in the story is that God, Moses' sister had travelled down the river with him and said to Pharaoh's daughter, do you want a nurse? And so Moses' mum was able to nurse her own child as he grew up. Isn't that an amazing part of the story? God's protective presence was also with Moses throughout the whole of his life. And here's just a few more examples of them. As we know, Moses went to see Pharaoh and gave, he had to deliver some plagues because Pharaoh wouldn't listen. And one of the things that happened was that the firstborn male of um, the Egyptians was going to be killed. But God wanted to protect the people that loved him. He wanted to protect the Israelites. So they put a mark on the door and they were safe. God's protective presence was with them. Another thing, I don't know, if you could see anything from the Bible, I wonder what it would be. This would be one of the things I would love to see. When God was with Moses and the Israelites, Moses had managed at last to lead them out of slavery. And they were walking along and they travelled quite a way. God was still with them. And then they get to the Red Sea and it's in front of them. 
What are they going to do? They know that the Egyptians are behind them, coming to capture them because Pharaoh had changed his mind. God's protective presence doesn't say go a different way. He, with his mighty hand, opens the sea. Now, if you look, when, when we next see the map, they're not travelling the big part of the sea. There's like a little inlet that they go across. But isn't that amazing? I just think out of everything that I could see in the Bible, that would be one of the ones I would love to see. God, with his arm, made a way. But then God's protective presence closed that way so that the enemies couldn't catch up with them. God does that for us daily. God makes way. He opens ways up. And then he will close them when he needs to. I just think that is amazing, that part of his protective presence. And then the third example that I've got is God led them. God knew that they needed to be led. And so he led them through the wilderness with fire and with cloud. Again, God's protective presence leading them through the wilderness. God's protective presence was with Moses wherever he went. God's protective presence is with us wherever we go. It tells us in 2 Chronicles, uh, verse 16, sorry, 16, verse 7, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Isn't that an amazing picture? God's eyes, right as we're here now, are watching all around the earth. And he's watching for ways to show that he is strong. He's watching for ways to show that he is strong, even in our weakness. So when we think nobody sees, when we're overlooked, when at work things are so hard, when in our family we feel as though we don't fit, guess what? God sees. And he is there ready to show you that if we just look to him. So God's eyes are forever looking on the earth. And I just think that's really amazing. So God's protective presence is always with us. We need to hold on to that. The next one might not be quite so heartwarming to us because God's correcting presence is also with us. And although that might not seem quite so pleasant and nice, it's so important because if God's corrective presence isn't with us, we don't grow, we stay where we are, and we never ever become the people that God really want us to be. So God's correcting presence was with Moses, and we've got the map again, if you have a look, because Moses has moved. And the reason that he's moved is that he messed up. So Moses grew up and was brought up by his mum, but lived with Pharaoh and with Pharaoh's daughter. But Moses, right from the start, had a sense of what was right and what was wrong. And he knew that the way the um, Egyptians were treating the Israelites was wrong. He knew that. But he let that get to him. So it is right sometimes that we get angry and that we, when we see injustice. But when we take matters into our own hands, that's not the way to deal with it. And so Moses went out and killed somebody and was full of shame. The next day, he was even more full of shame because he realised that somebody had seen. And so Moses did something that so many of us have done so many times. He decided he was going to run away. 
And so he ran away and went down to Midian and spent 40 years there in the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but I love playing hide and seek. I have to tell you, I'm not very good at it. I'm easily found. But when I used to play hide and seek with my children, particularly with Hannah, it used to make me laugh. Because I would say to her, right, I'll count, you hide. And so I'd start counting, and then I'd open my eyes, and she was still there. But she had her face covered with her hands. Because she thought, because she couldn't see me, I couldn't see her. And so I would pretend that I couldn't see her and go around saying, where's Hannah? Where is she? She's not there. Sometimes we like that with God. Sometimes we think if we walk away from the scene of the crime, if we don't go to church for a few weeks, if we don't talk to our Christian friends, God can't see us. The good news is God's corrective presence can see us. And he is with us all the time. If we can have our next slide, thanks, Bethany. It tells us in Proverbs 15, verse 3, the Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. God sees the things that we would love to hide. But the good news is he doesn't leave us there. There's a story that's been told about Arthur Conan Doyle, who is a very famous author. And it was said that he sent out a message to 12 of the top politicians in the country. He actually sent a telegram, but you are all so young, you won't know what a telegram is. And so he sent a telegram off saying just the words, flee, all is revealed. The story says that all 12 politicians by that night had packed their stuff and gone. He didn't know what they'd done. They did. And they ran away. If we're honest, we probably would do the same thing. Wouldn't it be awful to know that the deepest, darkest things of our heart that we don't want anybody to know are seen? The good and the bad news is they are. They're seen by God. But God doesn't hold on to them. God longs for us to bring those deepest, darkest things to him, to repent, to say we're sorry, and to leave them and move away. So God's correcting presence isn't something that we should be scared of, but it should be an incentive for us. Those things that we know we struggle with, those sins that we say we're never going to do again and then we do, if we know God is with us and watching us, surely that should give us the strength and the power to be able to resist. That's what God's correcting presence is. Because God had plans for Moses, but he knew he wasn't ready because he was taking matters into his own hands and not listening to God. And so although Moses felt that he'd run away, actually those 40 years spent in the wilderness really, really made Moses the great leader that he needed to be. God's correcting presence was with Moses wherever he went. God's correcting presence is also with us wherever we go. God's enabling presence was also with Moses. As we know, after Moses had been there for 40 years, he'd built a lovely life for himself. He had a wife and he'd, he had a real security. And I think for once he probably felt as though he fitted because he'd always felt before that he hadn't. And one day God appeared to him in a burning bush and God didn't say to him, hi, Moses, how are you? Hope you're comfortable. God said to him, I'm going to send you. And I'm going to send you, if we can have the map, Bethany, that would be wonderful, thank you. I'm going to send you back to Egypt. 
Now, I couldn't get past this bit of the story for a long time when I was preparing this morning. Because isn't it interesting? God could have said to Moses, I've got a great job for you, but you messed up over there, so I'm going to do a job over here. But he didn't. He sent Moses back to where he felt the most shame. He sent Moses back to where he felt he'd messed up. But he didn't send Moses back there to make him suffer. He didn't send Moses back there because he was cruel. He sent Moses back to that source of shame because he had a job for him to do and because he still trusted him and because he still believed in him. That really stuck with me as I was preparing this story. And so the burning bush appears and he says, I'm going to send you to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Let's see how Moses responds. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? The people of Israel out of Egypt. How many times do we respond like that? That's quite often my response. You're joking, God. I can't do that. Just look at that person over there. They're so much better than me. And Moses protested and protested and said he was the wrong person. And I just love God's reply. He doesn't say to Moses, no, you're not the wrong person. He doesn't say to Moses, you're amazing, you can do it. He says to Moses, I will be with you. He says to Moses, I will be with you. So he just said to Moses, I want you, this humble farmer, to go back to where you've really messed up, speak to Pharaoh, who is like the most powerful man in the world, and tell him that you're going to rob him of all the slaves that are doing all his work. I will be with you. Isn't that amazing? I just find those words phenomenal because whatever we're facing however inadequate we feel I will be with you and I think God sees our potential so much more than we do God sees what we can do God sees the future and what's going to happen whereas we only see how we've messed up and how we're not worthy God sees and he says I will be with you And his response is the same to us. And then again, another part of the story that I absolutely love. After Moses has argued and said, I can't do it, I get tongue-tied, I'm this, I'm that. God says to him, oh, okay, I will give you a helper. Let's hold on to that today. God does not want us to do things on our own. Yes, he's always with us. Yes, his power and his strength is enough. But we are human. And so what does God do? He gives us each other. Isn't that amazing? As a church family, there is nothing that we can't walk through together because God is with us and we are with each other. I love that part of the story that he gave him a friend to help him, a friend to talk to him, a friend to be beside him while he was doing all the things that he was struggling to do. I wonder in our lives... What part of our lives do we really need to hear God's words? I will be with you. Take that home today as you go home. God's comforting presence was also everywhere where Moses went. Think about those Israelites who have been 
taken away from slavery and walked miles. And they did walk miles. If you look at the map where they walked, they didn't walk the easy route. They had to go for lots of different reasons of really, really hard work. And they had walked for miles. So they must have had some really dark moments. And we do actually know that they did. Because some of them pleaded to go back to slavery. Again, that really spoke to me. Because sometimes we're in a place where we're struggling. Sometimes we're in a place where we know we need God's help. Sometimes we're in a place where we know God doesn't want us to be. But actually out there looks scary. We don't know what's the, what the end result is going to be. We don't know how we're going to get there. And so sometimes we do stay where we're not meant to be. Because actually the future and the alternative looks too hard. It can seem lonely and scary walking out when we don't know what the result is going to be. But God doesn't want us stuck in slavery. God wants us free, however scary that might look to us. And we do know that they did a lot of moaning. They really moaned. And one of the things they moaned about was being hungry. And God responds like this. That evening, vast numbers of quail, quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. Now, I'm obviously a lot grumpier than God, because I think if I'd been watching them and all that he'd already done for them and all they'd done is moan, I would have given them food, but it probably would have been dry bread and water. God didn't do that. Again, look at his kindness. He sent quail and he sent what they then called manna. And manna actually means, what is it? And that shows us that it was food like they had never tasted before. The Bible described it like honey wafers. Again, isn't that just amazing? He didn't give them dry bread and water. He gave them food that was going to encourage them. He gave them more, probably, than they deserved. But he gave them more than they needed. And he does that for us. His comforting presence, if we let it, can wrap us in the biggest blanket that we need and hold us in the biggest hug that we need. God's comforting presence can be everything we need, even in the darkest, saddest moments. And that's what he was to the Israelites. And another part of the story that's amazing is that he gave them what they needed. And it tells us in the Bible that actually some of them, they were ordered by Moses to just take what they needed for them and their family. But of course, greed sets in. So some of them took more than they needed, which meant some of them were left with less than they needed. But when they came to give it out, they had exactly what they needed. God knows what we need. God knows exactly how much we need. And we need to trust him that he's going to give us that. I was on holiday recently. Do you know what? This is, this is me grumbling now, so I repent of it already. But my son, Sean, today is going off to the south of France, somewhere warm. My son, Tiernan, on Monday is going to Morocco, somewhere warm. My daughter, Hannah, has just been to Spain, somewhere warm. 
I went to the Yorkshire Dales. <laughs> Not warm. It was amazing. I loved it, but it wasn't warm. But I was doing a lot of um, reflecting while I was there, and I found this picture, and I just loved it. Because you know what? Sometimes we have to walk through storms. Sometimes we can't see where we're going. Sometimes we have to step out in faith and take risks. But God's comforting presence is always with us. And we might not see it. There are times that, I, if I'm honest, I think, where are you, God? That's where he is. His comforting presence is with us every step of the way. Let's just take a little bit of time, and we don't do this very often, but let's just take a little bit of time of quiet. Look at that picture or close your eyes and just try and think, where do you need God's comforting presence today? Lord, we thank you that you are holding us, that you are holding us whatever we face, however we feel this morning, whether we are full of joy or whether we are really down in the depths, you are holding us. And we just praise you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. And then the last point you'll be pleased to know that I'm going to make is about God's personal presence. Because we have already know that Moses knew God. Moses knew God intimately. It wasn't just that God knew Moses intimately. Moses knew God intimately. He knew his personal presence. And he got to know that because he spent time with him. If you read the story of Moses, Moses talked to God. He talked to God how you might talk to a friend. He did argue with him. He did debate. He did say, are you sure? God was right, but he did talk to him. That is how we get to know God's personal presence. And unless we spend that time getting to know him, we won't ever get to that place where he wants us to be. Moses knew him better than anybody else in the Bible, I believe, apart from Jesus. And he was the only person that actually got to see him, even though it was only the back of him. He did actually get to see him. And that's because he trusted him, he obeyed him, he got to know him. And thinking about God's personal presence, let's move forward in time, way after Moses, because then God's personal presence really did come down to earth. It tells us in John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus came down as God's personal presence on earth. Wow. That's how much God loves us. He sent his only son to come down and be with us. And then again, I'm sorry, this just blows me away. I'm sorry for getting excited, but I find this so exciting. Because because of that, God's omnipresence actually has changed. Because when Jesus came down to earth, he lived, he gave us an example of what God wanted us to do. He did all the work that God wanted him to do. He spent time every day with God. We need to learn from that. But then he died. But he said to the disciples, I am still going to be with you. And so he sent the Holy Spirit to come down and show that he was still with them. But where is the Holy Spirit? He sent the Holy Spirit, it's everywhere, because the Holy Spirit is God. So it's omnipresent. But the Holy Spirit is living in you. 
The Holy Spirit is God inside you. It tells you in the Bible that we are a, a temple of the Holy Spirit. So God's omnipresence is true because wherever you go, God is. Isn't that phenomenal? Anywhere you go, any relationship you enter into, any people you come across, you are taking God with you. So although he's already there, he's also within you. So there is no situation that you can't shine God's light into. There is no relationship that can't be fixed by you bringing God into it. So everywhere we go, God is with us. I just think that's amazing. God's personal presence can light up anywhere. I don't know, again, you're all too young to remember this, but I don't know if any of you remember the transistor radios that we used to have. Yeah, Amelia's looking at me. Nah, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. These transistor radios, honestly, Amelia, you lot don't know what your life is like. Because these transistor radios, if you wanted to listen, bear in mind we only had four channels on the television. So if you wanted to listen to the radio, there was a knob on the side. You couldn't just turn it on and the sound came on. And you had to, as Ian's saying, you had to turn it. And you'd turn it and you'd start to hear the sound, but then you'd turn it too far and the sound was distorted again. So you'd turn it back to try and get it to the right frequency and eventually you would. Wouldn't always stay there. So whatever you're listening to would suddenly disappear. The sound waves were always there. You needed to tune in to the right frequency to hear them. God is always there. We need to tune in to him. When we think he's not there, that's us because he's omnipresence he is there every time and we need to remember that now there's two things that I really felt God was saying to us as a church when I was preparing for today and I've prayed and prayed and they won't go away so I'm just going to share them if that's okay the two things that I think God wants to say to us as a church and also to us as individuals the first one is the fact that Moses had to go back to his shame because I think we're really, really good at coming on a Sunday and saying, praise the Lord, everything's wonderful. But then maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday aren't quite so wonderful. Maybe we don't experience the presence of God on the other days in the way that we do when we come to church on a Sunday. It's not because he's not there. It's because we still have got areas in our life where we're too ashamed to bring them to God. We've still got those broken relationships. We've still got those areas where we've messed up and we really don't want people to see them. Some of us are still, if we're honest, living in past lives. Some of us are still looking at relationships that were so wonderful and we wish that we were back there. Some of us are still looking at churches that were so wonderful and we wish we were back there. Some of us are still looking at jobs. Some of us are still just looking at situations where we were and we're thinking, I wish I was back there. That's holding on to the past. That isn't where God wants you to be. And so I think for some of us today, God wants us to be honest. God is a big God. He sees everything. He knows how you're feeling. So when we try and hide that, there's no point because he sees it anyway. And so I think for some of us this morning, God wants us to go back where we got stuck and he wants to say to us, let's explore this together. Let's move away from this together. 
And in the same way that he went with Moses to Egypt and was with him all the time, to the point where Moses was then able to do what God wanted him to do. That's where God wants us to be. And so in a minute, we're going to have another time of worship. We deliberately had a longer time of worship at the end today because I think God wants us to respond. And I think he wants us to know that his grace is enough for us. And the second thing that I think God was saying to us as a church and as individuals is that for some of us, it's very easy to know that God's with us. But we might have family or friends or people that we're worried about that are miles away. And God is saying to you, I've got this. I know how hard it is for you to be here and for them to be there. But know that I'm there. Know that it doesn't mean that we don't stop praying for them. It doesn't mean that we don't carry on looking after them. But God has got them in the same way that he's got you. And I just felt so powerfully that that's what God wanted some of you to hear today. Because you are tearing your hearts out, trying to think how you can care for them. Carry on caring for them, but it's okay that you're here and they're there because God's with them. He's got them. And so I was thinking about how to sort of end this talk. And a while ago, me and a a really good friend of mine were trying to thrash out what worship is because we really felt that it was important for us to know what true worship is. And after doing loads of talking, loads of praying, loads of laughing, we came up with this. And so I'm going to finish with our definition of worship and then the music team are going to come back up and lead us in just two songs that remind us how God is with us. And please use those songs as a time to really come before God to bring whatever he's been saying to you. So it says, worship is diving in and putting my trust in God when all around me is failing me. Worship is saying, God, you've got this. You're bigger than us. You're bigger than this. And when I look at you, When I truly reach out from my shadows, you are there. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.